Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. If you will, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 7. I'll give you a little background here. Um, when King Saul was in rule, the Philistines came and they beat Israel. And after that, there was a priest who had two sons that were wicked, and there was an ark that was being guarded. The ark represented the presence of God, and when the Philistines came and overthrew Israel, and I'm being real brief because I don't want to be too long, when they came and overthrew Israel, they took the ark. They took the presence of God out of Israel. Okay, when this ark was made, when it was formed, God gave instructions to Moses how to build the ark, how to carry the ark, how to handle the ark, because in the ark was the presence of God. No one was to touch the ark. If they did, they would die. If any man would enter into the presence of God, he would die. There were certain things you would have to do to come forward to be in the presence of God. The high priest was the only one that was allowed to go into the holies of holies to be able to talk to God in the presence of God, to hear what God had to say. This is before Jesus Christ came. If you guys know anything about the Old, Old, Old Testament tabernacle, there was, the holies of, there was the holy place and the holies of holies. And what separated that was a veil. It was, it was made of, uh, it was woven together. It was made of material, and they wove it together, and it was real thick. It was real tall, and nobody was to enter inside of that place. It's separated, and I want you to notice it wasn't made out of stone. It wasn't made out of concrete, but it was made out of woven material, natural material. This is the thing that was rent. It was torn in half when Jesus Christ was uh, killed on the cross. At that point, it was torn, which meant that we now can go boldly before the throne of grace. We no longer need a priest to go into the presence of God, but now that we have a high priest that intercedes on our behalf uh, before the Father, which is Jesus Christ, we're able to go before God ourselves, no longer needing a priest. But now, back at this time, during this, what I'm about to read, we're going to see that you need a priest, and if you get in God's business, it was fatal. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 7. And again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, which means he was in front of the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manners of instruments made of fir, wood, even of harps and psalteries, on the timbrels, on the cornets, on the cymbals. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and, the, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark 
of God. Woo! Somebody say, keep your hand out of God's business. Yes, keep your hand out of God's business. It could be fatal. Now, I don't know about you, but looking at our text, it just, it sparks me to think of a question. Why would God kill Uzzah for trying to help? After all, the ark was going to fall. He saw it was about to fall off the cart, and he reached to try to steady it to keep it from falling, and because he touched the ark, God got angry and killed him. Now, I don't know about you, but it does. It makes me wonder, is God really touchy about his stuff? Is he so touchy about his stuff that he would kill somebody for touching his stuff? You guys ever think about that? Or maybe it was because Uzzah was so busy looking at a natural circumstance that he missed God's plan for a spiritual breakthrough. Have any of you ever tried to help somebody out that was going through some trouble? None of y'all. I'm just wondering because you guys are looking at me like, just to let you know on a side note, the less amens I hear, the longer I preach. I'm just, yes, come on now. Oh, hallelujah. I feel a close coming on now. Shata. (laughs) See, listen, sometimes we see trouble about to befall people, and we are too quick to come running and become their savior in a sick situation. I'm about to help somebody out here. First of all, let me tell you, all you guys that are saving people all the time, let me tell you something. First of all, there's only one Lord and Savior. Uh Uh-huh. You guys have to remember that we're only the dinghy or the life jacket that God throws out to people that are drowning in a sin of, of sea, a sin and sickness. We don't save people. We go out there and get them. God reels them in and pulls them into the ark of safety. He's the one that brings them in, not us. We are not saviors. The problem is we look at the outcome of what's happening in people's lives. We get so focused on the harvest that we don't consider what they've been sowing. I want you guys to listen to this very carefully. There's reasons why things happen to people. Now, I want you guys to understand this. 10% of the time, it's life. Bad things happen to people. The Bible declares that a man is born of a woman and yet a few moments and full of trouble. It just happens. Bad things just happen. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. But 90% of the bad things that happen to us is because we've sown something bad. It's hard to admit it. You know, sometimes we get in bad relationships and blame the person for us being in a bad, bad relationship when we're the ones that got with them. Don't want to admit that. I can't believe I'm always finding bad men. The problem isn't, isn't there a bunch of bad men? Your fixer, your, 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 your picker's wrong. Something wrong with your picker. Just making bad decisions. You guys, listen. The Bible said God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Have you guys ever been like Uzzah and seen somebody struggling in some area of their life and you feel for them so you reach out your hand to steady them? The same way Uzzah did with the cart. You guys ever help somebody out? You guys know, you you read on Facebook that so-and-so ain't got a job no more and they can't pay their bills. And unfortunately, maybe you don't check their Facebook every month, but it's the same story. 
Inbox me, sister. Inbox me, brother. I can help you out. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. But we reach out and try to help them. Now, having compassion isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with feeling for a person. But not discerning the situation can be fatal. If you don't use your discernment, you could be trying to help somebody out who's sown something bad, and all they're doing is reaping what they've sown. And you're trying to come in and stop what God's doing. God said, I'll watch after my word to perform it. And what he said is, if you sow something bad, you're going to reap something bad. That's whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you're trying to come in and stop that whole process. God could be trying to do something in that person's life. And because you're not discerning, guess what? God might have to cut you off. God might cut your hands off to keep you from handing stuff out to people. Think about it. The first part of that scripture is God is not mocked. He ain't going to make you, you're not going to make him look like a fool. You guys know what that means when, you know, when <laughs> you're talking to your kids and they're, you're mad at them and they're behind your back going, doing what you're doing. They're mocking you. They're making you look foolish. God said, I'm not going to look foolish. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't you come in trying to stop my process and my principles of my word. Because I'm going to watch after my word to perform it. So we're sitting here and we're looking at Uzzah. Poor Uzzah. What a name. He was just trying to help. Come on, Jesus. He was just being a good guy. He had compassion. Y'all hear me now. I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I see it constantly. We get so caught up in what things look like and what things are that we're not looking at why they are the way that they are. He was just trying to help. It's funny because he reminds me of another person in the Bible. This guy in the Bible, his name was Peter. Peter called himself trying to help. Now, let me connect these pieces of this puzzle together for you. Matthew chapter 16, 21, Jesus began to tell the disciples that he must return to Jerusalem. It's funny because that's where they were returning the Ark of the Covenant to. But here we are, New Testament. Jesus said, I got to go back. I am the presence. I'm going back to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he began to tell the disciples where I'm going to have to suffer and I will be crucified and killed. You know what Peter does? Peter turns and tells Jesus, uh-uh, I ain't going to let that happen. You my dog. This, this ain't going down. Jesus, ain't nobody going to touch you. And Jesus turns and looks at him and says this in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are dangerous trapped to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. What Jesus was telling Peter was this. Peter, you see the calamity that's about to befall me and what's about to happen, but you're not discerning the design in it. Jesus had to die that his presence could remain with us for eternity. There had to be a death. See, Jesus... 
body form was here, and he was with those that were with him at the time. But his intentions was to be with all people. But he couldn't be with all people all the time being in human form. So he said, I must die. That's why he said, I'm going to go away to a place that you're going to be, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send a comfort. I will come to you, and I will be with you, and I will be in you, lo, till the ends of the earth. John 14. He speaks to us about being with us and his presence being in us for eternity. But it couldn't happen until he died. In order for the presence of God to show up, there has to be a death. For God to manifest his blessings upon your life, something has to die. If you want the presence of God in your marriage, you're going to have to die in your marriage. Thank you for the one amen. If you want presence of God in your finances, you're going to have to die to your finances and be generous. There we go. If you, want, if you want the presence of God in your life, then you're going to have to die to yourself. So many people want the presence of God in their lives, but they want to keep doing what they want to do. I was talking to my wife about people using God as a wallet. It's like, I need the presence of God in my life, but only when I need it. Because I don't even think about my wallet until it's time to pay for something. Until I owe somebody something, so I pull out my wallet, open it up. When I'm done using it, I put it away again. And that's how we use Jesus. He's my wallet. But sometimes we end up pulling out and find out there ain't nothing in there. And we sitting here complaining, oh, God, where you at, God? He said, I've been here all the time. You just used up my grace in your life. Should I continue in sin where grace may abound? God forbid. <laughs> Jesus ain't your wallet. I was going somewhere, wasn't I? Okay, okay. Because Uzzah, because of his death, the ark of the Lord, listen to this, remained in that land in the presence of God, fell upon the house of a man named Obed-Edom. And the Bible declares that his whole house was blessed. Now, I'm going to explain something to you about this dude, Obed. If there was no death, then the presence of God wouldn't have remained in Edom. If Uzzah didn't die, they would have kept marching with the presence of God all the way back to Jerusalem. But because there was a death, David ordered for the men to stay in Edom. Let's look. Verse, uh, verse, or chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. It says, so David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed, Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed, Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed, Edom and his entire household. Now, this is where it gets interesting. What's really interesting is that the name Obed-Edom, it means worshiper of Edom. The Hebrew name Obed means worshiper. See, Obed-Edom Obed was a Gittite, a dweller of Gath, the land of the Philistines, which meant he was a Gentile. He wasn't even one of God's chosen people. 
Now watch this. Commentary says that he was a convert to David's religion. And Obed-Edom means worshiper of Edom. Because he was known as a worshiper, David entrusted Obed with the Ark of the Covenant. David entrusted him with the presence of God because he was known as a worshiper. God created a situation so that the presence of God will remain in Obed's house. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be known as a worshiper. See, some of us in here are known as, as, as carpenters, and some of us in here are known for, for being ex-thugs, and, and some of us are in here for known for being lost. But, you know, I remember a woman named Mary that the Bible said that after she worshiped Jesus, he said from this day on, she will be remembered for her worship, not what she was. Because she was a prostitute a whole lot longer than she was a worshiper. One moment of worship. Woo! One moment of worship will erase your past. And people will know you for what you are. It's funny because you, you, all your life, okay, let me put it this way. So some of y'all are going to understand this on your spouse. You've been faithful for 30 years. And the moment you cheat on your spouse, you become a? They don't care about the 30 years of faithfulness. They care about the one moment of cheating. Right? Well, the same works with God. You could be dirty, low down, filthy, foreign, filth for nothing, good for nothing person. But the moment you begin to worship Jesus is the moment that he says, I will know you as a worshiper. <laughs> How many people you know that when you live a life of worship, God will entrust you with things you don't even deserve. <laughs> God will put favor on your life when you're a worshiper. He'll put finances in your hand when you're a worshiper. He'll put healing in your body when you're a worshiper. When you're known as a worshiper, God will give you things you don't deserve. Obed-Edom was known as an outcast. He was considered a dog. He was considered unclean. But when he converted to worship the one and only living, true God, when he became a worshiper, God made a way for his presence to stay at his house. When he became a worshiper. See, worship precedes the, the, the presence See, some of us are looking for the presence before we begin to worship. That's kind of like expecting a paycheck before you work. Some of y'all didn't even laugh at that. You're like, what was wrong with that? I... The worst thing you can ever do is pay somebody before they're finished. Anybody ever had that problem? You pay somebody before they finish, and that's what kind of job they do. I got my money now. I don't need to finish. Now you start calling them. You can't even get a hold of them. Right? Y'all have hired them contractors before. I know I shouldn't have gave them that money up front. Watch this. So sometimes God just trying to be good in his goodness gives you blessings before you start worshiping. And he pays you in full before you even begin to worship. But then when the job ain't finished that he called you to do, he starts calling you. He can't even get a hold of you. Ooh. 
was a tough analogy, Pastor. I was agreeing with you on the first thing. Now you're talking about me. Right? We was talking about somebody else. Now you're talking about me. I don't like that. It's like when I preach, it's funny because you guys are hitting people on the, the elbows. Man, this word's for you. Man, I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear this word. This would be for them. It's for you. How many times have we asked God for something, didn't even worship him? He's given it to us, but when he asks us to wake up at 3 in the morning and pray, he can't even get a hold of us. When he asks you to come to church and bless somebody, he can't get a hold of you. When he wants you to give or serve, you know what we're doing. Jesus is calling. Jesus on the main line. You get your phone, you're like, oh, it's Jesus. Decline. Your spiritual call waiting is, 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 is a, <laughs> it's a curse. Because you're on the phone with somebody else, and you look to see who's trying to interrupt that phone call, and it's Jesus, and you go, ah, uh, no. Or unfortunately, you're on the phone with Jesus, and y'all are talking, and something a little bit better calls and interrupts your call, and you put Jesus on hold. And never switch back over. Because whoever was on the other lines got your attention a lot more than Jesus does. I got quiet. And I, yeah, I don't know, Pastor. But when you're a worshiper, worship is work. I'm sorry, it, it is. You can't worship without working. It, you, it takes something. You, you got to open your mouth. You got to lift your hands. You got to clap. Your, worship isn't something you do silent. I can't look at my wife and go, she's going to look at me like, what does that mean? I'm trying to give you guys analogies because as worship leaders, I'm sitting up here and I'm watching you guys and I know you're going through problems. I know you got stuff going on in your life. You're sitting here in church and I know you probably, some of you came here because, man, I'm having a hard time. But you come to church and I'm trying to help you out. I'm not asking you to worship God for me because I'm not getting anything from it. I just want to see you set free. I want to see you delivered. I want to see you living with joy. I want to see you begin to worship God because I know what he can do in your life. You're sitting there going, I am worshiping God. The Bible says, give him the fruit of your lips. Yes, it's a sacrifice of praise. You know why it's a sacrifice? Because you don't feel like doing it. It's a sacrifice because people are going to look at you crazy. I got videos that people have posted of me worshiping. And they laugh down at the bottom. And I laugh with them. Because I look like a fool. But I don't mind looking like a fool for Jesus. He died a fool's death on the cross in front of the world. I'll give God my everything. I'm giving God my everything. And I'll steal more for me to give. And saints of God, I'm telling you, there's sometimes you got to do things. It, it is a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that costs you something. And sometimes what it does is it costs you your cool points. I'm, I'm just going to do, I dare you one day from your heart. 
to get out from your seat during worship, those of you that don't praise God, and get out here and worship him with everything you have. I can promise you your life will change. When you start living your life as a worshiper, not, not worship is a moment, like during service we go, it's worship time. No, a life of a worshiper. God's presence will be in your life. See, if you just worship God when somebody says it's time to worship, that's you pulling out your wallet when you need them. And one day that wallet's going to be empty. In my closing, you guys got to understand that Uzzah wasn't being punished for touching the ark. Uzzah's death was the release for God's presence. God is calling for you to reach out and touch the presence of God that you may die and receive the presence of God in your life for eternity. Any man seeking to save his life will lose it. But any man that loses his life for Christ's sake, the same shall be saved. You got to lose your life for Christ. You got to die to self. But when you die, it makes way for the presence of God in your life. Now, I do want to warn you that the presence of God perpetuates many problems. When things in your life are being evicted, they're not going to go away without a fight. Can I get an amen? What does that mean, Pastor? You know, there's some things and some hang-ups in your life that you've been trying to get rid of for a long time. Some of them you don't even realize are problems because you come so acquainted with them. That's just me. You guys know you've been telling your spouses, your boyfriend and girlfriend, look, that's just how I am. No. It's your flesh, and it needs to die. It's not polite. It's not nice. There's no fruits of the Spirit in that. And when you die in that area, guess what happens? It's going to fight you because it don't want to go. You guys seen the old movies, The Exorcist? Funny part about most, most possessions, there, it isn't a possession, it's just flesh. If you pass it, pray for me. I got a lust problem. It ain't a demon. I can go get the whole case of oil in the back and pour it all over you. It's not going to help you. You got to learn how to worship God. You got to learn to find the presence of God so that your flesh will die. I got an anger problem. I think I got a spirit of anger. your flesh we spiritualize so many things because we want to avoid crucifying our flesh when I worship God I'm crucifying my flesh do you guys realize that part of worshiping is just doing what God tells you to do you know the Bible says you know bringing down every thought that exalts itself against the obedience of God, bringing it into captivity. And it tells you about ready to, to, to go against that thought by being obedient to God's word. Watch this. You don't take the thought and just hold on to it. How you fight that thought is by doing, obed, by being obed. Obed, obed, worshiper. Obed is the first part of obedience. 
Obed. Be a worshiper. Do God's word. So what happens when somebody says something or does something to me, I want to slap the taste out their mouth. When somebody looks at me and says, John, punch them in the face. You guys don't know the story? Yeah. I ain't going to tell it. You got to be able to do the word of God. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. See, when I do that, even though my flesh is hurting, because I'm just going to slap the taste. That feeling, you guys know that feeling that you get right, it gets right here? You guys know what I'm talking about? Feel like you swallowed a big old pill? It's just right there? And it's not going to go away until you act on that feeling? You know what that is? That's the feeling of crucifying your flesh. So you guys don't know, there's a feeling to it. When you be obedient to God and you're like, hey, you don't, you don't celebrate. Most of the time you go away crying. You go away mad. Get mad at God. God said, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You're being obedient. You're worshiping me. And now I'm going to release my presence on you. And as I release my presence on you, it's going to help you deal with that situation. And the next time it happens, it's going to be easier. But you're still going to have to fight it. That's why Paul says, I die daily. I got to swallow that pill every day. Get the lump in my throat. Every day. I don't know. I, I wish I had three. Maybe just three. Three honest people that would testify when they got saved that all hell broke loose. Can I get three people? Three people. Just the day I gave my life to Christ, the day I gave my life to Christ, the day I said, this is it. It's me, Jesus, I'm here. This is it. That same day, I can't even go in to talk about what some of the things that happened, but all hell broke through just came out my life it just financial problems and relationship problems everything happened illness that's just on that day one right after another but somebody was there to tell me man this is just a sign that you're going in the right direction this is a sign of you becoming just from a person standing around to becoming a worshiper that as you worship, you're going to have to fight these things, but God's presence will come on your life to be able to stand in the time of trouble when you're a worshiper. Let me tell you guys, the odd thing about Uzzah is this. If you look at his name and you break it down in Hebrew, his name means goat or strength, or basically saying the strength of a goat or goat strength. Do you guys realize that God is trying to raise sheep and not goats. He says, at the day, that great mighty day, when he separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep will enter into the fold and the goats will be cast into utter darkness. When you have that mindset of Uzzah, you're a goat. What it represents is this. If you want the presence of God in your life, you're going to have to do like Uzzah did and reach out and touch 
the presence of God so that that goat that's in you, that disobedience that's in you, can die. That you may become a sheep. That you may experience the presence of the shepherd. So you could be like David and still say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you realize that Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice? He didn't say the goats. The goats are the ones that do things the way they want to do it. The sheep are the ones that listen to his voice and do what he says. If you want the continued presence of God in your life, let the Uzzah or that goat that's in you die so that you can become an Obed, an obedient worshiper. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.